Hey everybody and welcome to the Living Word podcast series. This is episode number 8, week 4 in review. This is a nice and neat episode, especially since we've had a nice and neat week. Everything has been self-contained. And this particular episode will deal with, at least in broad terms, the topic of messianism. So we began earlier in the week by defining messianism being the hope and the belief of ancient Israel that the Lord's anointed, that is the Messiah, would come to rescue Israel. And one of the things that we end up getting to by the end of the week is the type of rescuing is the main influence as to the type of Messiah people expected. So if you believe that the type of rescuing was one way, then the rescuer was going to take on that form. In other words, there is that connection between the rescuing, and the rescuer. We then moved between the early part of the week and episode number seven of the podcast, which was posted on Wednesday, a little bit of the history of the development of this idea. While a full-fledged notion of a Messiah would not come until later, there are hints of it very early on, even all the way back to the fall in Genesis 3. And we also see hints of it even as Israel is about to enter the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses promises the great prophet. And as Israel moved through its history, especially after the settlement of the promised land, we end up starting to see a lot of temporary solutions to the problems. Judges and kings, both of whom are very temporary in their own way, and really part of the problem is they can't be true messiahs if they have their own flaws, if they have their own sins. Even some of the famous judges, like Samson, had a fatal flaw. Kings like David and Solomon had fatal flaws. And this is despite the fact that the kings were quite literally the anointed of the Lord. They actually had oil poured on their head to be set apart for the sacred purpose of governing the chosen people. And yet, despite that, they weren't necessarily always up to the task. And from the era of the kings, we move into the era of the prophets. And this is really where the rise of messianism goes full bore. And the biggest reason for that is this is when you start seeing larger societal problems arising, such as foreign conquests such as the dissolution of the country of Israel, such as the pieces of Israel being destroyed and the people being taken off into captivity and exile. You've got a major identity crisis that goes on within Israel at this particular time, and the prophets really arrive to remind people of their obligations to the covenant both to God and to neighbor. And as time goes on, the people need that reminder of love thy neighbor a lot more than they need the reminder to love God. Because at first, idolatry always seemed to be the problem. Idolatry, that is the worshiping of false gods, always seemed to set in motion some kind of crisis. And then eventually, Israel finally figured out that, hey, worshiping one God following that first commandment wasn't as optional as it seemed at first. 
So they begin neglecting their neighbor and neglecting the poor, and that brings to another set of problems and another set of reminders from the prophets. Now, in the midst of all of this, we start seeing the rising of, you know, in much more fleshed out form, this hope for a Messiah. But the hope for the Messiah, and you have to make sure that you understand this, is the people of Israel were starting to look for a Messiah not from among their own, that is, not from royalty or nobility, but rather from God himself. They were looking for that heavenly or otherworldly being to come and rescue them. And that's what takes us into the final part of the week in which we talked about the forms of the Messiah. The first one that was covered was a covenant restorer. This is something that you find all throughout the prophets because, after all, the role of the prophets more than anything else was to remind people of their obligations to the covenant. The best example of this as I talked about in class, was found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, in which Jeremiah prophesies not only a restoration of the covenant, but a new covenant that would be made so that all mankind could know God. That's what is meant by the covenant being written on the hearts of people rather than on tablets of stone. The second big form that we talked about was the Savior from transgressions or sins. The example given in class was that from the book of Isaiah, chapters 52 and 53, the famous suffering servant passage. These are the passages that are often read at Good Friday. They are read also in the weeks leading up to that particular day. And it's the one that really encapsulates Christianity's view of the Messiah. One of the terms that I brought up at that point also was the notion of a scapegoat, the idea of an individual taking on the sins of humanity. But despite the fact that both of those forms are found overwhelmingly within the pages of Scripture, it is the third form that we find the most commonly held among the people of Israel, and that is a political messiah. And again, when I say political messiah, I am talking about a warrior, a king, some kind of military leader who would be sent by God to destroy the enemies of Israel. Now, while this particular type of Messiah does not have warrant in Scripture, it very much has a warrant with human nature. Humanity yearns to be free, and the people of Israel were no exception. For the 1,200 years from the time of the Exodus all the way through the time of Christ, they might have been truly free for 120 of those years. So 90% of the time, they were either under siege or actually ruled and dominated by outside powers. So it makes perfect sense that they yearn for this type of Messiah, the one that's going to make the blood of their enemies run through the streets and to restore the glory and the power of Israel back to where it belongs. You know, the irony, of course, of this, and this is brought up both in in the last episode of the podcast plus at the end of the week, was that the glory days weren't all that glorious. But when you're looking at it through the lens of domination by outside powers, you can understand why people would think, hey, it's better that if we're going to be dominated, better to be dominated by our own rather than by someone else. Not saying it's good or right, but the impulse And really, that's what I'm trying to get at here. The impulse for that is completely understandable in every way. So I talk about all this mostly to 
and I, I ended class on Thursday or Friday this way to help you understand that a lot of this is the elephant in the room with regard to the arrival and the public ministry of Jesus himself, because it's an expectations game. The expectation of Jesus is that he was going to be a particular form of this Messiah, and when he wasn't, that's by and large how and why he got rejected. And it's something to keep in the back of your mind as we start moving through those events, not just in his not just in his public ministry, but also even in the events surrounding his birth and his early life as well. All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode, episode number eight of the Living Word podcast series. I hope you found it informative. Just remember that the next quiz will take place on Tuesday or Wednesday rather than Monday or Tuesday. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Take the time on Monday to work on your speculative assignment. And if you have any questions, email me and I will see you next time.